this has been kind of rephrased multiple times. In Babylon 5, there's a quote of, he controls information, controls the world. Um, Tom Clancy, the control of information is something the elites always does, particularly in a despotic form of government. Information, knowledge is power. If you can control information, you can control the people. And the, uh, one of my favorite games of all time, Alpha Centauri, there's a quote in it of, beware he who would deny you access to information, for in his heart he dreams himself your master. So I wanted to kind of kick this to you and say, what is exactly that we as citizens can do? So Jeff, I would like to double back to a conversation we had that was a follow-up to a prior conversation, if, you, if you'd be down for that. So, wait, I'm, I'm getting lost here. It was a previous conversation, and then we followed it up, and now you want to follow up the follow-up. Yes. Okay, then sure, I'm on board with that. I have no idea what's coming, but go ahead. Okay, so when I brought up the question of AI algorithms and whether or not they should be open. Mm -hmm. We had a conversation about that. We got feedback from the community and then we had another conversation about that. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it warrants going back because I think <laughs> okay. that we avoided addressing some things or we didn't address them as well as we should have. Okay. I think we covered the algorithms and what they can do and control with that. I think we covered that. There is obviously the issue of uh, deplatforming that has come up mm -hmm. um, in the same vein. I want to put a pin in that for right now because I'm working on lining up an interview specifically about that topic. So we're gonna we're gonna come back to that one. And while we did touch briefly on the social engineering aspect mm -hmm. of us not having any idea, and you know Facebook being able to see what people, how they responded to things and then changing the feed. We touched on that, but I want to run down that step, that path a little bit further. All right. Um, but before we get there, I think it's important to take a few steps back and me to kind of lay a groundwork of where I'm coming from and the framing that I'm approaching the topic. Okay. So that everyone else is kind of on the same page with how I'm viewing it. So story time then? Uh, well, not really story time. No. Well, but can it be story time? Because I would like that. No, no, it's not story oh, time. Oh, fine. This is definitely this is definitely teacher at the front of the class explaining about something before they explain the thing. Okay. So for me, at its root, the the general conversation we're having is an issue of epistemics. That is. At the basis, we're talking about how people, us humans, obtain and process information. Mm -hmm. How can we know what we know? That is, what are we basing our knowledge on? Is it partial? Is it skewed data? Is it entirely falsified? And then what we do with that knowledge. Okay. So in epistemics, I have heard people sometimes break this down into the persons. So first, second, and third. So for myself, for first person, you know, that's the understanding self that's personal motivations understanding how i as an individual perceive things around me mm -hmm. so for that i would say that i follow stoicism so if you're curious about that read up on uh, zeno epictetus diogenes i mean there's a ton of information about stoicism out there i'm not going to go into explaining all that for the second person that's then others so for instance you jeff you would be second person to me mm -hmm. it's understanding others through their viewpoints their ideas their experiences Okay. So for me, I would say I follow, I guess what you would summarize as the Socratic tradition, that overall, when viewing others and society, that we should strive to achieve practical results that are the greatest benefit for the largest swath of people. Okay. So best well-being for everyone. To, to use the Star Trek quote, you know, Spock always says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Mm -hmm. We all need to benefit from what is going on rather than just a few people benefit. And then for the third person, that's the, the world around us. So objective reasoning. How do we understand and conceptualize the things that happen? 
So for that, I would say I definitely fall into the kind of the Aristotelian philosophy and tradition, the the natural philosophy, the precursor of the scientific method of observation, experimentation, trying to figure out what is truth. So that's that's the way I am coming at this and the way I approach anything that's an epistemological issue. So it's to take my view on something, then to take your view on something, and then to look at objective reality and try to arrive at the best possible understanding so that a course can be determined that benefits both you and I. Okay. So there's two reasons. One is on a personal level, trying to understand your view and the way you see things gives me the benefit of being exposed to new ideas, new viewpoints. Makes sense. And while I may agree or disagree with those viewpoints, I still get the experience of seeing that viewpoint from that point of view. And I get to decide for myself. And I think that through that, I'm all the better for it. There's a quote by Emerson of a mind once stretched by a new idea never returns to its original dimensions. Oh, I like that. So even if I am exposed to a new, you know, a new concept or a new viewpoint on a topic I already have a strong belief on, even if I disagree with that, I still come away with now understanding what that other viewpoint was and why I disagree. Mm. The second reason is that you know, we all want the best course of action, or I hope we all want the best course of action. <laughs> I wouldn't say everybody, benefit, but most people, yes. On the, on the level, most, most in general, we'll say. Yeah, that will benefit the greatest number of people without, though, creating the situation of tyranny of the majority. Yeah, I was going to um, ask about that. that. That seems there's there's always that counteract. Yeah, so as a society, we've learned that there are limits, and there are limits at both edges. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't say that, oh, well, the majority can run roughshod on the minority, mm -hmm. and we don't say the minority can run roughshod on the majority. Obviously, we, we try to balance things out. Murderers, for example, you know, when we put them in jail for the rest of their lives, yeah, that really cramps their style and, and limits their life <laughs> options. And yeah, they, uh, they probably don't like that. But overall, as a society, we've kind of all agreed that in that situation, because of the harm they would cause, that it's an acceptable trade-off them not being able to run around and kill more people. And that's why they don't get to come out and play anymore. They've lost the right to kill people. Wait, they never had that right. They've lost the right to be in society where they could kill people. There we go. Got it. Right. Um, however, we don't always say that the right of everyone supersedes the right of the individual. Mm -hmm. For instance, you know, if we take Bill Gates, for instance, he's got, he's got a couple dollars. Mm -hmm. A couple. You know, we, we don't just go in and take everything he owns and everything he's made and then split that up and spread that around society because... We all realize that doing that to one person, well, while it may be good, and I'm putting that in air quotes, it might benefit people, that sets in motion the process that the society over, always overrules the individual. Mm. And once you start down that road, now you have mob rule. And what happens when society decides that I need to go down or something? Right. That, that Because there always will be another person. And I do con I'm concerned about that, honestly. Yeah, and... At the end of the day, for me, that also comes back to the the thing we've talked on before of, you know, mm -hmm. do you have the right to your own labor? And if society can come in at any time and say, hey, we like that, we're going to take that. Well, then, no, you don't have the right to your own labor. And at that point, you're just a subject of the state. Mm -hmm. And we realize that a state with that much power can steamroll anyone and everyone. And that's not good for all of society. So we don't do that. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's about it's about balance. Mm -hmm. So to bring that back to the topic that we were touching on, I think what we've run into is that all three of these things kind of blend together, whether it's AI algorithms choosing what's going to be prioritized, whether it's deplatforming or whether it's social engineering. At the end of the day, it is control and power over the citizenry by a few small group of people, a select group okay. who are not subject to the wills of the people, i.e. they aren't elected officials. We can't vote them out and get new people in charge that will do what we want. If it's a publicly traded company, though, you could buy enough stock or convince other shareholders. You would need to buy some stock, but you could convince other shareholders to vote with you to kick somebody out. There is some recourse, but the odds of that happening, uh, that that's not a thing that happens ever. Well, that also means that it would take people with an exorbitant amount of wealth mm -hmm. who also are of the opinion of the little guys 
to then go in and actually do those takeovers to then enforce that. Yep. Which is not going to happen. Right. Because usually the people with lots of money and lots of power want to keep all that money and all that power. And the people that are in charge help them get that way. So let's leave status quo. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, they scratch their backs. They get their back scratched. So mm -hmm. they don't want to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. But I'm reminded of several quotes there's the one that a lot of people know, which is from Orwell, which is who controls the past controls the future and who controls the present controls the past. Mm. This has been kind of rephrased multiple times in Babylon 5. There's a quote of he controls information, controls the world. Um, Tom Clancy, the control of information is something the elites always does, particularly in a despotic form of government. Information, knowledge is power. If you can control information, you can control the people. Mm -hmm. And the uh, one of my favorite games of all time, Alpha Centauri. There's a quote in it of, beware he who would deny you access to information, for in his heart he dreams himself your master. So I wanted to kind of kick this to you and say, what is exactly that we as citizens can do? Now, before you answer, I, was I would like... Up. You gotta let me speak at some point. No, no, just wait, hold on. Mm -hmm. I am going to give you an example of what has already been attempted. Oh, you're going to prime me, okay. And didn't work. All right. So in 2005, there was a nonprofit started called Attention Trust. And their goals were to, and I'm going off of memory, so if anyone knows more about this, please let me know. Their goals were for individuals, you and I, to assert ownership over our own data that we create online. So they had a, I believe it was a Firefox plugin that you would run. And what that plugin would do is it would create a log of everything you did, and it would be a log on your computer. Okay. Now, the reason for this is you're creating this log. So via copyright law, you are the copyright holder of that information of what you did online. Okay. That makes sense. So in a, in a quasi way, your internet history was copyrighted to you. Mm -hmm. And sites that you went to, you were allowing them to have rights to you visiting their site. Okay. But from my understanding of the way this was this was laid out, they then wouldn't have rights to everything else you did online. They would just have rights to the bit that you allowed them to see, which was you visiting their site. Okay. Now, for those that are listening, they're probably like, well, I've never heard of this. And yeah, because it failed, because no <laughs> one seemed to care. It didn't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. Ahead if of you its actually time, go to the web Yeah. If you go to the website now, it's been, the domain has been bought by some other people and it's doing other stuff now. Um, and I will throw links in the show notes to archive org links to the original site. Mm -hmm. But we, we talked in a previous episode about how there are some things that the government is good for. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm curious as if this should maybe be one of them, because I'm starting to feel like this is definitely falling under consumer protection. Mm. And like for me, that then says, well, you know, wouldn't that be kind of like under the FTC? I'm or, or maybe some other. Yeah, I believe because, that's true. You know, our founding father's philosophy for governing was that the state had exclusive right on violence, i.e. threatening control, power, etc. And it was only to be used to protect and serve the citizens. Mm -hmm. It was not to be used against the citizens. It was to be used for them, for their benefit. And right now, we as citizens are getting carved up for profit by big tech. And we've reached a point where we almost don't even have an option. You know, many police departments have their own website, but yet they don't put out news alerts on their website. Mm -hmm. They put it out on Facebook. And I've run into this before at places I've lived before where I've approached the sheriff's department and been like, okay, you guys put out like community bulletin alerts and all this stuff of what's going on, right. things that we need to be aware of. Where can I get that? And they're like, oh, it's, we put it all on Facebook. Okay, well, I don't have a Facebook account, so how can I get that information? Oh, well, we put it all on Facebook. You need to sign up for an account. Make a Facebook account. So No. Yeah, so like my ability to interface with my own government is through a third-party company, which the government is telling me to sign up for an account for if I want the information that my tax money is providing me. Like, things have gotten really screwed up here. I would tend to agree, yeah. 
Uh, I think that that's just a short circuit. It's a laziness on, on the, the part of these, these people you're talking about. Um, particularly heinous, I think, because we're talking about policing action, where right. information really should be free and widely disseminated as fastly and it, it, as fast as fast as possible and as loudly as possible. Like the information that the police have to share, usually it's really important. They're not going to go and flash news bulletin because someone put their laundry in the wrong dryer. They're going to flash because a child was lifted. You know, someone co- coaxed a child into their car outside of the laundromat and so took off. Amber alerts do go out via cell phone. They do. That is a that is a national program. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to just focus on the police. That's just yeah, yeah, for yeah. me know, is the most egregious. It was it was a good but example. Like, yeah. Yeah, there are there are places where you have to apply and contact for a job application through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't care because that. that company wants to be able to then. Oh, well, you know, if you want to sign up, you make sure you click follow while you send your application because then yeah. they can dig through all your data. Mm-hmm. Not doing that. And again, I, I kind of understand why they might want to check you out, but at the same time, like historically, this is why we had references that they would call. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm not cool with like government getting involved in things i'm kind of wondering if this isn't one of their times when this is really within their purview because like what other avenues do i as a citizen have against these big tech corporations who as i mentioned are literally controlling and gatekeeping my ability to interface with my own government Mm -hmm. like you like you Um, alluded to earlier you can't get away from it and it's even worse now with covid because I just can't go walk into a government office and talk to people because mm-hmm. the offices are closed. I have to do it online. And right now, ISPs aren't considered a utility. You're subject to whether or not your ISP is willing to allow you to purchase service from them. Yep. So, like, I'm generally in favor of government regulation when it's done for the express purpose of benefiting civilians, you know, police, mm-hmm. fire, EMS, environmental regulations even you know, preventing a company from dumping toxic chemicals into the stream because they're upstream and they don't care about anybody downstream. Right. You know, that, that actually little anecdote. That it's all related sort of. stuff. That's, that's a perfect application yeah. of government. Um, in Pennsylvania and Maryland, there was an issue with Chesapeake Bay decades ago where a whole bunch of farmers further up in Pennsylvania were over fertilizing and mm-hmm. overdoing the uh, pesticides and all this stuff. Well, then it would rain and all of it would just wash off into the rivers. Mm-hmm. So the entire Chesapeake Bay watershed was just getting all of this stuff dumped into it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't notice because, oh, it's just me and my one field or me and my dozen fields, however big the farm was. But, okay, yeah, multiply that over thousands and thousands of farmers. Yes. They're all dumping into the same river. And this is not against farmers, by the way. This is just what was happening because of poor land management and all this other stuff. But all of that was getting into the bay. And then when it got down to the Chesapeake Bay, it was just killing everything. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or growing algae or, or feeding something that would... Uh, well, it was growing algae, and that was killing yeah. everything else because nothing else could survive. It, it upsets the very delicate balance of the ecosystem that requires all these things. Like, an ecosystem can survive. It can, yeah. it can respond to stressors, external and internal, things that it didn't expect, especially natural ecosystems where they're all kind of intertwined very heavily. There's lots of things that nature can do to push back on a stressor. Mm -hmm. But in this one instance, there's so much dumped in that it can't. Yeah. And to be clear, this wasn't just like the the tree hugger environmentalist issue. Right, 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 right. It was like this was affecting down, literally downstream commerce issues Mm -hmm. in another state because you have a whole bunch of uh, marine stuff in, in on the Chesapeake Bay that is revenue generation for Maryland and Virginia. Mm-hmm. So like it was more than just okay we're killing wildlife. Like right. this was you're causing economic damage, massive economic damage. And eventually things were worked out and I think there were some programs that were started to help clean things up and to do better land management around where the tributaries were. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm 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 down with that. I'm not against that type of government interaction. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Is this one of those things? Like, is there anything else that we as citizensry can do on our own? So, uh, several thoughts I've had along the way, and they all kind of port, point towards, um, well, no, unfortunately. No, it's the, it's the conclusion that I draw, and, and here's why. We have become so entwined with some of these products that are being put out by the companies. Uh, can you get a cell phone in the United States that does not have Google or Apple on? That works like a normal phone. Well, that, okay, so yes, 
but it depends on what you call a normal phone. Okay, that's fair. Are, are, it, a, a smartphone? Mm -hmm. No, I don't believe you can get a smartphone exactly. that is outside of Google and Apple. But there are absolutely still phones made that are not smartphones. Mm -hmm. All right, right, right. Uh, so it, again, it depends on your definition. Okay, so you could have a phone. I, I did mean smartphone. Thank you for that clarification. So in order to use a smartphone, which is a gateway to so many things in our society, uh, some of them government, some of them not. So side note, like if a, a ticketing now seems to be almost entirely done on a phone, like you buy something online, they send you a text message or an email or something and you click on it, a QR code. Gosh, remember when QR codes were, they were trying to push it all back in the nineties and early two thousands. And everybody's like, who's going to use this? Well, we do all the time now. It was a great idea. Just a little bit ahead of its time. But now you have to have a smartphone that can display a QR code to get into the movies or to get your restaurant uh, reservation set up. You've arrived, here's your QR code, log in. That's now so common that it's, it's almost mandatory to have a working smartphone, period. Now that's not government, but there are things that I really want, I, I wanna say that there's things that people can do to push back, like, like creating bad data. You know, there's those um, plugins for, not plugins, extensions for Chrome where you can deliberately create fake trails of, of traffic or deliberately go do things like go look at women's pants every day at Tuesday at three or something, you know, and just throw the algorithm off like, that guy really How likes, do you know that? Yeah. How do you know I did that, Jeff? <laughs> uh, don't, don't, I, I've been creeping a little bit. No, but uh, just just throw your throw your your trail off. And then I remember also there's sometimes where uh, some less than legal things were coming up and so part of the community would be like, okay, everybody come in here and, and click all these links and we'll kind of normalize this because a bunch of normal people click this link too. It's not just bad people clicking the link, that kind of thing. So you can, you can throw up, you know, dirt in the air effectively. But that's largely what you can do. The only way to keep your data is not to create it. And you, at that point, you are basically desubscribing from society. Now, there are people that want that. There are people that like that or people that feel strongly enough about privacy that they are willing to give up almost all of society to do that. I flirted with that 10 years ago and I decided, boy, this is really kind of lonely. Um, maybe I should be willing to uh, let some of my data go to some of these data brokers. I guess um, I still am uncomfortable with the idea of my data being out of my grasp, out of my control, especially when they link up to different databases and something unrelated to you know a car ownership database related to medical records and some bro broker has subscribed to both of these data sources and weaves them together and somehow comes up with this you know people that are going to be pregnant tend to go buy this car or something and then the second it hears that the second it thinks that oh we're pregnant now it starts showing me all these car ads for this thing you know, i hate that kind of stuff but i can't stop a data broker from doing that and i want i want desperately to be able to to say that these the laws that are coming in and especially all the stuff that uh I think it's the GPDR is what the Euro European restrictions have been called. They're now affecting us in the United States because even if a site is hosted here, uh, somehow they're able to get punished there. I see it on lots of American-only sites that you're still having to acknowledge all these things. Uh, I think that's American sites just doing a CYA okay. um, to cover their ass in case mm -hmm. they have European users. Yeah. Because, they, yeah, they can't, uh, the, only, the only other thing to do would be like, you're a European user that we can detect by IP or whatever. We're not going to serve you because we're not willing to do the, uh, I, I don't know what the punishments are for not following GPDR. I imagine they've got to be pretty- massive fines. Yeah, it's got to be but, pretty severe because I mean, everybody did yeah, it almost if, overnight. Right. Like if you ran a, a website about dogs, mm -hmm. you know, and you had users from Ireland coming over and checking out your dog information or whatever. Uh, I mean, I don't really think- you're going to get a lawsuit from the Irish government or from the European Union because you didn't delete the data or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't think your site about dogs is going to ruffle the feathers of the EU. I mean, maybe it would. Who knows? Maybe the, the, the dogs are a front for dog fighting, or uh, they're a front for something else more nefarious. And the dog website and the forums and the cute pictures and everything are just to throw everybody off because underneath the surface, they're actually talking about you know, carding or something. Who knows? You really love steganography, don't you? I guess I do. I I, I find it very attractive. Uh, I loved, I've loved the idea since I was little. Like, hiding stuff in plain sight. I just think it's really fascinating. It's cool. And that's, um, I think that's one of the reasons that there's a series of games that have been wildly popular called uh, Assassin's Creed, 
And I really liked the concept early on. I don't know that I like it much anymore. But the concept was, it's a stealth game, but you're not hiding in the shadows. You're hiding in plain sight. You're finding a knot of people and then moving in the middle of them. You're finding a, a trail of monks that you happen to be wearing a robe that looks very similar to them, and you get in line with them, and, and you can go past some guards or something. It's, I really liked this concept, and I started saying, if I can't control my data the way I want, then maybe I could do this hide in plain sight thing. I have to create a wake. Having no digital wake, and this is the term I've used for a long time, uh, just by virtue of moving through the digital world, you leave a trail uh, through the data brokers and everything. Even if you've got ad block, you can still be, uh, and even with the super cookie gone and all this, there's still ways to ID people and distinguish them using some confluence of installed this or, or background that or whatever. There's lots of really, really pretty amazing ways to detect who's who. So you can't not leave a wake. So if you're going to have to leave a wake, do so that's in a benign way. Okay, I, I have a Facebook account from a long time ago that I haven't logged into, but I do have a Facebook account. So if someone goes to look me up, then, oh, he has a Facebook account. He hasn't posted since 2012, but he's got one. I don't know if that's, that's, if that's good enough. And there's actually some misinformation on that profile, too, just to throw people off in case they were bothering to look. I don't, I don't think we can control it. I think it's, I, I honestly, I love what they're doing in Europe. Uh, I like seeing now on these sites that they're actually having to explain to me what each cookie is going to do. And they have to give me the option. Like I could just click, they make the accept all cookies button really big and bright and easy. Just, just go away, click accept all cookies. But if you go and look, there's the other button that says, take me to what the cookies do. And I guess it's the law. The default says you have to leave all the sliders off. So if you go there, I'm now doing this on every site I visit. Go there, ask to look at the cookies, and just hit OK. Because all the ones that are not mandatory, for however mandatory is defined, are their sliders are off. And if you just accept all cookies, you're going back to the way things are. And you only have to accept that one time for it to kind of stick also. I mean, there's got to be a way for you to be able to change your preferences. I think that has to be built into every site. So I'm, I'm noticing a lot more sites who are now blocking access if you block ads. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed this recently? Yes, I've been seeing that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't fault them for that because it costs them money to host. It costs them money to make the content and put it up. And then if the way they pay for all that is ads and you've got people coming in for free, I think you're not going to make any revenue from those people. Maybe the theory was originally, uh, maybe I won't make revenue from this person, but that person may share it to other people who will come in with their ad blocker. But I don't know a single person in our generation that's like running around without ad block. Do you? No, yeah, not really. No. And the other thing is like, you know, when I hit a site that has one of those, like I'm done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gone. I'm not going to share that story to somebody else yeah. later. Mm -hmm. Like you're not getting any of my traffic and I'm definitely not giving you anybody else's. I, so, I've stopped reading New York Times. I've stopped reading Wall Street Journal. I've stopped reading all these ones. Uh, Forbes does the same thing. Forbes, type. yeah. So MIT Technology Review is cracking down. Uh, there are some sites that I would actually be interested in, in listening to, but I'm not going to pay subscription. I think we, in a previous episode, we, we might have touched on this, but I want a system that I can pay MIT Technology Review a quarter or 50 cents or whatever and read your article. And then that's it. That's, that is the arm's length relationship I would like to have. I do not want a subscription to your service because then that creates a business relationship. I've always been very cognizant of this. Every contact point with a business technically creates a business relationship. And according to U.S. law, it takes one point of contact for you to have now established it. And then they could call you if they have their phone number. They could send you an email because they have established this point of contact. Now, email got protected by CARES Act or something, where you, they have to give you the right to desubscribe. Uh, and anyone that's legitimate will actually respect that. I think there are some pretty serious punishments there, too, because I've been seeing that being taken care of. I actually, it, back in the day, it used to be, don't click on the unsubscribe button because that just verifies your, your email address is active. That, that's just, uh, that's fake, you know? They'll say, oh, sure, we'll take you off. Meanwhile, the They've gone and marked your account as very active. Send more mail to that person. That's exactly what was happening back then. So on the on the data broker thing, one of the reasons that Europe is, I think, leading the charge in this is they've uh, they've had some bad experiences. Shall we say? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Because you know, in in the U.S., it's I often hear people say, "Oh, well, I don't mind X company having this data. That's that's fine. Well, okay, great. You might trust them, but who's going to buy them?" Mm -hmm. 
who's going to be the next person to have the data? And this is something that Europe learned uh, back in the 40s, as it was. Belgium started a national religious registry. Now, the goal was to catalog everyone's religion so that if someone died and they didn't have next of kin, the state could then verify and make sure that the person got the burial that they wanted according to their rights and traditions. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds great. Yep. Sounds wonderful. Well, when the Germans were passing through on their way to their French holiday, they said, oh, oh, those are some nice records. We'd like to have those, please. Sure. And then at that, at that point, they had names and addresses for everyone who was Jewish. Ooh. Because no one anticipated right. that what's going to happen if this data falls into the wrong hands. Mm -hmm. So I think the Europeans are a little more sensitive to that than we are in the U.S. Here in the U.S., we kind of have a Wild West attitude kind of, yeah. of whatever, mm -hmm. which, which is a problem. And one other thing I want to bring up is when you were talking about the smartphone. Now, I don't know about Apple, so don't quote me on that. But as far as Android, you can get an Android phone and not set up a Google account. Yes, you can. Now, there are a couple limitations. One, you will not be able to use the Play Store. Mm -hmm. You technically can sideload applications, mm -hmm. but it is obtuse to do it. Non and I think it's obtuse intentionally yes, it is. by Google. Absolutely it is. And you will have to deal with constant notifications that you have not set up your Google account. Mm -hmm. yep. So it is possible, but they go out of their way to make it as strenuous as possible. Mm -hmm. Intolerable to, to use unless you cave in and give them what they are demanding. There's also uh, AOSP, which technically does work, but, you know, you're talking about uh, the programs of binaries on there are now 11 years old. And not that phones have changed very much, but certainly things have evolved. And the integrations between them have certainly evolved. And Yeah, and, and you yeah. can install Replicant. But mm -hmm. now you're talking about flashing a new OS to right. a phone. That's not something the average consumer exactly. is going to be able to do. Non-trivial, yes. yes. So, yeah, we're in this weird spot where... I feel like individual citizens don't really have the options available to them. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the business interests are not going to provide them with any because there is a ridiculous amount of money to be made. Mm -hmm. I, I was concerned. I, I, I don't know where this article is, but maybe we should find it and try and put it in the show notes. There's this article that demonstrates what is the value of each piece of data about you. Like, if they have your phone number, here's all the things they can do with it, and here's roughly the monetary value. If they have your phone number and their address, then it jumps up to this because you get all the phone numbers and all the address uh, values, plus the corroborating evidence of having both. And like just having these basic pieces of information that you can go and get from legal documents that are open. You know, it, it, just anyone who goes to look, you can probably score most of this information. Here's the monetary value of it. And then you start adding in your your trail here, your your history on major websites, your, your this, your that, your associations, and the value just skyrockets. There's so much money in knowing what people are going to do or pretending like you know what people are going to do because you've recorded their past history. The best indicator of future behavior is past behavior, you know, except with, with few exceptions. So if I have recorded everything you've done or a lot of what you've done, I can make a good prediction to where you'll go tomorrow, you know? I have a reasonable idea that you're probably not going to leave the house tomorrow because it's cold and you don't want to leave the house and you're trying to stay warm. Unless you're out of food or something. Well, actually, it's the same temperature outside as it is inside. Whoa, so. okay. That's that's uh, that's because you live in the equivalent of a tent. But uh, you're, like, you're like a Sherpa or somewhere. You just you just happen to live in the United States, you know? Anyway, Bedouin. That's the term I'm looking for. You're a Bedouin. Right, our technological Bedouin here, JT. Oh, that's what I was going to say again. We're going to need to do another cut. Man. I don't know. I'm getting distracted. Okay, well, let me, let me, let me bring it back to... We are going to cut these, my, right? My... I don't know. I think I'm going to leave this one no, in just for fun. Oh, come on now. So I'm, I'm bringing it back to my question. What can we do? I don't think we can. Like we anything. keep we keep laying out all the bad things. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I think we've made our point. Yeah. But then what steps can we take? What actions can we take? What are our options? I don't think there are any that don't involve desubscribing from significant portions of modern society. Honestly, I don't think there are any. Now, one thing I have. So you don't think I should still be able think to that vote? There's a government aspect. I, I should still be able to vote without having a Facebook account. The, the, the day that I have to register with one of these tech companies to vote, 
is the day that I'm going to get really, really upset. Uh, well, the day it happens is too late. I know. I know. I, don't, I have to be involved ahead of time to prevent it from ever getting close to that. But it certainly is convenient, and the companies would love to get their hands on election data. Can you imagine tying in your election vote to everything else that they've already collected about you? I think at this point, they already probably know what you do. Like, if you go and read uh, one website versus another, they probably have a pretty good idea what your political bent is. But the vote, the confirmation that you actually voted for X or Y candidate, because that's the data they would harvest. You know, they would attach it somehow. That's, that's the whole reason they would, they would, because it's not cheap doing election stuff. But why would Facebook choose to help with elections? Because it helps them out somehow. Not from the benevolence of their own heart. It's because there's something in it for them. Of course. I don't think past that, you know, the, the very hardcore, I can interface with the government things. I don't know that there's much else that I can do. Frankly, I think that, I don't want to say it's too far gone. But I think about if I don't want to use a Google product, if I don't want to use a Facebook product, and I don't want to use an Apple product, I'm a technology person. What does that leave? Like pure Linux. But even then, uh, there's, God, there's some fair number of things in, in well, I, I don't know. That's one thing I do respect about the open source world is they have not really been suckered into the must have a Facebook account to join with our track instance or whatever. So I think because there's a lot of us in, in this open source tech field that feel similarly like, you don't get that. We don't want you to have that. We're not even going to have the discussion, even if it's easy. You know, We went out of our way to make open protocols, OAuth and OAuth 2, that you could technically interface with them, but then you could also set up your own backing store too. As long as you spoke this protocol, it didn't matter. We went out of our way to make a standard such that we could let them do their thing and we would be not having to use it. You know, Because if, if we let them build the standard and define everything, then we can't use it because they'll, they'll put things in there. Poison pill is not the right word. They'll tilt it in their favor. In the open source world, we've, we've actually gone out of our way to try and keep some of those things out. And I really respect that. I don't know that there's many other places of the, of the internet that's doing that. Frankly, most places, maybe the dark web, but we're not going to go there. That's a whole different ball of wax. I, I'd, I'd be very, very entertained if your if you're login to the dark web required your Facebook account. That would be kind of hilarious. Well, I mean, there are the people that log into their Facebook account over Tor, so I mean... Right. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a choice. Like, they already know who you are. That's a You're not accomplishing anything. That's a choice that you've made. I don't think it's a wise choice, but uh, sure, that's the thing you could do. That'd be a total waste of effort. And uh, the Tor experience is challenging because a lot of... I don't know if it's gotten better, but a lot of websites were tying, you know, cookies to both the the source the, the the cookie that you have and an IP too and so you're like hopping from IP to IP uh, is in your tour traffic. Some websites just don't work, so just flat out fail. So anything requiring a login just doesn't doesn't last. Well, they can also just block exit nodes. Yeah, so. there's there's some that do that too. Um, but returning to the question that you posed, I've been sitting here, and I think part of the reason I was trying to go through some of the negatives, and you and I were trying to uh, you know illuminate the negatives, is because. Perhaps we can identify a chink in the armor somewhere. We can go and, and probe there. But as I look at it, um, unless I don't want to use their products at all, I don't have a choice. And their products are now there. I'm saying deliberately not defining there, but we go to the fan companies. Uh, if we choose not to use their products, it's going to be a very lonely existence. But it may be worth it to you. It may be worth it to me. Uh, I don't know. Um, so, do you not think there is a civic angle that could be taken? Uh, well, I honestly believe that uh, the power of these government, these um, corporate entities, is now rivaling that of governments, even national governments. And I think that very soon, it doesn't matter what a national government wants. I don't say very soon, but in in the future, uh, I would I would not even say the far future. I'd say in the, in the next twenty thirty years, it won't matter what a national government says to Facebook. Facebook is too big. Facebook, is like, we're not going to do so, that. No, we're not going to do that. You know, I, if, if you had asked me a couple years ago, I would have probably agreed with you, mm -hmm. but I disagree with that. Okay. Because we can see how major companies are bending over backwards for China. Yes. I think that shows that at the end of the day, it, it, it is at, you know, at the end of the day about the bottom line. It is. And if, let's not just take China out of the equation, if the U.S. government picked up the phone and called Mountain View and said, hey, Google. Uh, you have 24 hours to implement this, or we're seizing your assets. 
Do you think Google's going to go, nah, you can't do it, bro? Like, I think they're going to go, oh, oh, yeah, 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 we'll do that. Now, obviously, that's an exaggerated example. I was going to say, that's quite some hyperbole there, but it's a good thought experiment. Right. I, I mean, at the end of the day, the execs who are doing this stuff want to continue to have their cushy life. Oh, of course. And if that is threatened by government regulation or whatever, mm-hmm. they can either go, okay, we're going to do that, or they can get a nice orange jumpsuit and some fancy wrist jewelry. Mm. And Matching these people, wrist jewelry. Right. And these people are so accustomed to, you know, the, the wonderful life, I don't think they're going to risk mm. any hindrance to the life they've become accustomed to. Mm. So I'm kind of now leaning towards that's the only way it's going to change. Like be threats again. I am I am not a fan of yeah. very strong, powerful governments, either. but the government's sole purpose is to protect the citizen. Mm-hmm. And this seems like a clear cut place of protecting the citizen. Yeah, I think we're approaching the point where that this has become that clear of an issue. Mm-hmm. I won't, I don't want to agree with that because I like you. I don't like government being things, uh, but they're for common good items that are clearly common good standards. Uh, you know, back in 1900, people were eating meat with who knows what high percentage of rat turds in it or rat pieces. And the government came in and said, no, you can't sell that that way. You must have uh, no more than this many rat turds in your meat, which still is more than zero and somewhat alarming. But you just have to face reality that there's probably some rat turd in your meat sometimes. That's just the way it is. You know, you can't get everything out. There's going to be rats. There's going to be things. So. Sorry, I didn't mean to be Debbie Downer there, but that's just reality. But there's a role for government in these kinds of things. So let's go back to a point you'd made early on that I, I think would be another way to investigate this. Why in the United States is internet still considered a private, non-utility service? Because you could say uh... easily that the internet now has become core to so many people's existence, almost mandatory, much the way having an interface with these companies are almost mandatory, but the government has declined to regulate that. I think that has to do with lobbying power okay. from Verizon, Comcast, AT&T. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's the only reason because in, in many ways, I would say internet connectivity is almost as important as electrical utilities, mm-hmm. water yeah. utilities, I think it I should mean, be measured can, that way, honestly. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, you need water to survive. I'm not denying that, obviously. But you can get water from other sources. You don't have to get it from your town. Right. And that is a, an argument people will use is, oh, well, you don't have to use this internet, but you can go somewhere else to get wa- uh, to get your internet service. You can go to the library and get your internet service. Mm. Yeah, well, you can also go to the stream to get water. Mm-hmm. But we've determined that, no, you need water to the house. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go get gas, a gallon of gasoline every day to run your generator to have electricity. But no, we decided it's a utility that every house gets an electrical connection. Mm-hmm. And that makes perfect sense to me. That's the so role for me, government plays. Yeah. That's yeah. a perfect application of government. I'd say federal government. I don't think this is a state level thing. This is a federal thing. And I think there's been attempts, but, uh, you know, like you're saying, lobbying and the political footballing back and forth over net neutrality. And I don't even know that that's the right focus anymore. Uh, it's a good place, but it's also become so politicized we can't really have a discussion about net neutrality, net neutrality and be objective. So maybe uh, introduce a different term. I think that's something that the government needs to step in and say, this is now a utility. It's going to be measured that way. It's going to be paid for this way. It's going to upend all those companies you just mentioned and many others. Some are going to win, some are going to lose. But I honestly think that's something that needs to happen. And I actually believe that that can happen. Whereas I don't believe government can come in and save us with our data. I, I think that that one is so difficult to describe, and so, uh, it's like grasping gas and separating it out from different gas in the air. I don't know that you can do it. We're all breathing this air. We're all well, running around no, this Well, no, they could do it really easily. They could just say all user-generated data is property of the user. Well, they, now, they did that in, the, in Europe, didn't they? Well, no. Okay. So the user has privacy rights over the data, but it's not owned, and okay. I'm using air quotes because no one else can see, it's not owned by the user from my understanding. Okay. I was thinking like the right the, to be the forgotten effectively means you own the data. That's what I was kind of thinking. 
because okay. that is a right in Europe. You can say, right. I want you to forget me, and they have to comply. And that says to me, you have ultimate control. It's a binary thing, on or off. But ultimately, you can go to a company, you can go as a European citizen, go to Facebook, say, delete my everything, and they have to comply. Mm -hmm. That's right. It. But that does not limit what Facebook can do with the data when they have when it. When they have it, yes. Whereas if, if the agreement is, or if the statement comes out, or the ruling comes out, that data, user-generated data is property of the user, mm -hmm. then the individual company would have to get permission from the user mm -hmm. to then unify, use that. And then, of course, you have the downstream effects of how then does that work with partners of who I made an agreement to? Yeah. So if I made an agreement with Google, what rights can Google then transfer to a third party? Mm -hmm. Because in normal business stuff, that's not automatic. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, if I take a photo and I license the photo to you for you to be able to use in, in whatever, you can't then take that and give that to somebody else mm -hmm. for them to use it for what they right. want. I have a very narrow I'm the grant. only one that can do that. Yeah. yeah. Mechanical license or something, I believe is what that would be called. But, um, so, yeah. I, I do think that there are things that could be done. Yeah. I don't know what the best options are. And I don't think we can put the, the, the bottles open. And as we alluded to in terms of servitude a couple weeks ago, however long it was, you can convince almost anybody to do or agree almost anything. Unless that person is very heads up and spends the time and effort. And who's going to spend the time and effort to read every EULA? Who's going to spend the time and effort? You can sign away your rights to your own data in a heartbeat without even thinking about it. And that's something, you can't put that genie back in the bottle sometimes. If, if your only ability to put the genie back in the bottle is, please forget everything you've ever recorded about me, I guess you could start over. You could have them forget, wait some appreciable amount of time, and then create a new account much more carefully, uh, agree to some terms, or, or I don't know how that would work. I guess you, it's, it's, it's so binary. I think that what we actually need is somewhere in the middle. This is something that credit card companies have been mandated to do for like the last 10 years. They have to send you, not just credit card companies, but like mortgage services and companies and financial services of any kind. Every year they have to send you something that says, here's what we do with your data. Here's what we're allowed to do. Here's what we're actually doing. And, you know, it's actionable in court. If they lie on this thing, then that's an easy lawsuit. And every lawyer within 90 miles is going to be like, hey, 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 you have this credit card. Let's go sue these people. Look at that. That's free money. So that's a thing that's been done well. And if we had some way to do that for every bit of data, if, I don't know, I can't stop Google from selling my account data to another broker if that's, they decide it's profitable. I can't stop a data broker that's collected my account information or my, my login information or, or something, some facts about me that I don't know exists. If it's a cookie on a site, that's capturing that I've passed through. Like, you know, you go to every well, major no, site, there's the, eight, nine, I mean, ten data brokers capturing data. Technically, there would be a way to stop it because it would just be legislated that using data that you have not received permission to use is illegal. Like, can people still do it? Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. it's now, now it's, it's now a crime. I mean, can people use cocaine? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean it's legal. So I think this would fall into, hypothetically, if there was legislation about this, mm -hmm. that that could be regulated yeah. that there could be rules put in place that google has limits on what they can do mm -hmm. with your data they can't just give it away yeah. which makes me wonder if eventually we're going to go to a subscription model for practically everything unfortunately i believe that's true once the advertisement model completely crashes mm -hmm. because effectively that's what all this data is being used for mm -hmm. is advertisement yep. right now things could get much worse as we mentioned or as you know, I touched on in this in this episode, you know, with the amount of data they have on us, and with the social engineering aspects of what they can do, they can completely feed you whatever data they want mm -hmm. that they know is going to keep you captive. And right now, it's being done solely for the dollars. Right. The moment that becomes an ideological goal, we have serious problems. Well, no, that's already happening too. You know, the last couple elections, we've been hearing about interference in our elections. So that's definitely is happening. And I hear, I see articles all the time about uh, amplification bots or, or fake uh, accounts, sock puppet accounts, whatever, on services that amplify messages. And I like that they're actually, they, whoever they is, uh, who's finding these accounts, these, these initiatives and tying them back to various governments and actually telling us about it. And I like that. I hear all the time about Russia. And specific teams to do this and, and be quite good at it. 
seems like. They're quite good at swaying public opinion, which is really hard to do. It's really quite impressive if you step back and look at it. They've had to work very hard to get where they are. I have to admire the effort. I have to admire the results. I hate it. I don't want that to happen. I think it's really, really causing major, major problems in our society. The effect of such amplification of misinformation are, are there everywhere. Now, I wish that would we could put a lid on that. But they're, they're operating outside the bounds of what's legal, so it doesn't matter. They're going to use whatever advantage they have. And, under, and they're a third party. Yeah, under, they're not Facebook. Imagine if Facebook themselves decided, mm. this is what we're going to feed this group. This is what we're going to feed this group. Like, they intentionally decided to do this. We know they've already admitted to intentionally doing that for social experiments exactly. to see if they can yeah. control people's emotions. Exactly. If they then decide to do that strictly for an ideological goal, that's that's next level stuff. So here's the, here's the problem I have with that. They're willing to admit that they have done social experiments. That says to me they've done a lot worse that they're not willing to admit. They, they will admit this um, kind of amoral approach to social experimentation. We had to do it. We needed to. It was right there in the face. We had to, we had to find out. Okay. You're willing to tell us that. That's the, that's the part you will tell us. What about the part you won't? I know some of that's going on. I have no way to prove it. I'm not going to go diving in. Facebook's junk to go find it. I just not like, it's not my calling. I just, I just have this belief that a lot more experimentation is going on than what is being described. This one is being discussed. Some of it tacitly. Some of it being encouraged by other components of government. You know? Some of the shadowy stuffs. I'm sure that some of that's going on too. And all of that, there's no limitations on it in the United States, as I can tell, or very few limitations. And I think that most of the people involved in that want it that way. So I admire the EU for having the courage to start putting in these data protection laws and actually putting teeth on them. There's, I don't think there's a way that's going to happen in the United States. And states may sign something. And California, I think, has already signed something. They're, they're, they're trying to be very progressive about this. Just funny because a lot of the companies that want to use their data are live in California or were born in Silicon Valley or something. Um, I don't think it's a state thing because the internet doesn't care about your state. The internet barely cares about your country at this point. The internet is so global and so connected. Right now it is. Um, what can one national government do to citizens from another nation? Really, technically, nothing. Uh, there's nothing I can do to a citizen of France that would be legal. Like, I, I can't go and say to them, you are not allowed to do X thing. Well, I can prevent them from accessing my content, I guess, if I don't like French people for whatever reason. This is not to say I, I really do like French people. Let's not get on the record here and get out in front of this cancel thing. That's not what I'm saying. I hate that I had to do Jeff, that. Jeff, what, what do you have you against don't, the frogs? Nope, don't. You do it. I'm just going to talk over you. And you're always making up fake French words, uh, and, you know, that I have to point out isn't French. Right. Well, okay. Fine. Anyway. Once again, I've gotten distracted. I don't know where I was going with that. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm sure it was very you're poignant. We'll just, we'll just pretend like the rest of it was very poignant and just move right along. I, I, this, yeah, that was a, gr yeah, that was a great, yeah. great thought there, Jeff. I really, I really appreciate you bringing yeah, that just, up. Just to summarize um, everything, I don't think there's anything that can be done because the people that want, uh, the people that want things the way they are now are in positions of power and they don't want any change, like you alluded to earlier. I don't, I don't see how things can change, even if we people want it. It's not in the best interest of those making profits. So it's not going to change. I think that's really what it boils down to. And that's really depressing. It's also somewhat based in reality and, and grounded in, we've seen this before, you know, over and over again. Why would, why would this be any different? What is, what is your own data special? Why, does, why is that more special than all the other times that the government has decided to let a corporation make a pile ton of money through a monopoly or something, or allow them to do something shady? Then why is this different? It's not. So, I don't, well, I don't think anything yes, can happen. But, of course, there have been many occasions where the government has stepped in and has done things. So, I would like to believe that it could happen again. I would like to believe that, too. I mean, I know from your dog barking, your dog agrees with you. <laughs> but, I'm gonna... I'm gonna be optimistic here, mm, maybe? Okay. That's, I'm gonna try that on for a change. That is, a, that is uh, definitely a change. Yeah. That is a change. But I would be interested to hear what our listeners think. Oh, yes, me what too. What their ideas are, mm -hmm. because I'm sure they will have some good ones. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so email into the show. You can do it by a contact form on the website or emailing me directly at jt at mindripmedia.com. Uh, you can talk to us in our Telegram channel or our Matrix channel. Um, I, I would love to hear what you guys and girls happen to think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one of you will have a great idea and I don't know, maybe we can make something. Of it. I hope so. Yeah, let's try it. But on that, on that front, Jeff, we did get a piece of feedback Ooh. that, uh, I think I need to address in this episode. Okay, go ahead. So this is, uh, this is a message, an email that I got from my friend, Alex, who he sent in emails before. Um, Hello, Alex. And and I I do, um, I'm going to start this off by reminding everyone, including Alex, if he missed it, that in the first episode, we did say that uh, this is not a free for all. We are not going to always read word for word what you put in your email. Like there are limits Mm -hmm. of what we will read in the show. So with that said, though, here was his message. By receiving this message in your inbox, you agree to read the following statement in its entirety out loud and unaltered during the next recording of the podcast and to include the audio in the released version of this episode. So there is another line, which I will read, but again, Alex, that's not how this works. No, you cannot just put anything in and we're going to read it. However, in this one time I will do exactly as you asked. And the very next line, which he wants me to record and put in the episode is Alex is better than JT in every conceivable way. Now, that is what Alex wanted to be said. Here is my thoughts. I'm starting to worry about Alex. (laughs) I don't know. I think Alex is onto something here. Well, no, because see, there's a very clear point that I can make. And that is, do you know how many podcasts that Alex produces? I don't don't know. know. I'm, I'm sure you could tell me, though. He does exactly zero. Oh, well, then there you go. Um... JT, this guy, mm-hmm. uh, he produces four. four. Yeah. So clearly, demonstrably, JT is better at producing podcasts than Alex. Like, this is just the material fact. It cannot be argued. I could argue that. I'm not going How? to. Okay, so maybe you are actively torpedoing four different podcasts and making them objectively worse than nothing at all. What you- but the fact that I am doing it at all means I am better than him hmm. because he is not doing anything. Okay. That, Any action is better than no action in this regard. I find that logic to be pretty straightforward and I can't disagree with that. So much as here, I would like my to concern. for entertainment purposes. Right. Cause I know you would like to disagree yes. with me, but here's my concern. The fact that Alex could not even conceive that I would be better at him than that, which is again, demonstrably provable is worrying. Why? I mean, uh, because I'm starting to want, question his cognitive abilities if he cannot even conceptualize basic facts of reality. Because his hmm. statement was, J- Alex is better than JT in every conceivable way. Every conceivable so way. There's, I have that's just unequivocal. Proven, there's no wiggle room there at all. There's no wiggle room. Hmm. And I've just proven a way that he is not better than me. Which means Therefore, he did not conceive it. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird because he listens to the podcast. <laughs> this very podcast that I produce Oh, boy. So, he can't conceive the very thing he is using, or that he is relying his, his, his statement on. Me reading his email on a podcast that he can't conceive that I'm producing that he's not. This is why, I, Alex, buddy, I don't, I don't know what's going on, man, but uh, seek a medical professional. Maybe it's time buddy. for an intervention really, or something. Really. Yeah, we need uh, we need to get you checked out because I'm 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 kind of concerned about you, and I, I want you to live a full life, Alex. I don't want anything <laughs> bad to happen to you. And I don't know, man. I'm, tr- I'm here for you if you need I help. I was trying to keep a straight face through all this, but I just I just lost it there. That's it, Alex. Well done. That was that was very demonstrative of uh, terms of servitude. That was pretty funny. Well done. So I, I give you an A for effort, mm-hmm. but an F on execution. If you're gonna troll, you gotta troll that's better than that. That's at least a man. C minus, dude. That was. Oh no, that's a total fail. No, if that was wiggle room, I'd have given him a C. No, 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 no. no. But there was he, there was no wiggle room in that argument. He still he still got you to read the statement, and we still had a conversation about it. That that's why that's why I give him an A for effort. Oh, okay, but the effort. But I was saying we would not talk about it if it weren't. So if he had crafted the statement, if he hadn't said every conceivable way, if he'd said in most every way, would you have read it? 
with the same fervor, would you have yes, responded have. equally as aggressively? I don't think you would. Yeah, I think I would have. Because it, now it's an opinion because thing. The no, because strength of the troll means you have to troll back. Okay. Well, this is kind of weak, weak trolling here, but okay. That's because I don't need to really do much because his argument was so pitiful. You're being given an opportunity. You have a platform. Use it. And maybe another episode. Maybe not this one. This one's already running long. But Alex, I guess there's there's a, some some bloodbath coming. I'm going to have to coach JT on how to troll, apparently. No, no, no. This right here, Jeff, this is class. I don't oh, need to go after him this harshly. This is class. Okay. Because Good to know. I can just point I can just point out simple facts and lay waste to his entire argument. And then that's it. I don't have to take it any further than that. I don't know. I, I find it was entertaining. Alex, good job. Keep it up. I like it when he gets this worked up about something. Pretty funny. Because most of the time it's him making fun of me. So Yeah. Yeah. So my response to him was, you should choose your words much more carefully. <laughs> <laughs> However, that being said, I will do exactly as you asked. Mm. Well, that was that was entertaining. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate that that feedback, that little I don't know if the feedback is the right way to put it. Uh, that challenge, maybe. Yeah. I, I figured after a, a heavy episode, we needed to uh, end on something a little lighter. A little levity. That's perfect. That's a little uh, digestif for us all. So, appreciate that. And thanks uh, for listening, everybody. JT alluded to earlier. You can contact us in the show notes and uh, reach out to him directly. There's uh, the channels. Please let us know what you thought. And please let us know what you think of Alex's attempt to shame JT. 